We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the make. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sean Payton, keep talking that shit. we gonna see him soon. You feel me? All right, welcome back to another edition of the Budding Heads podcast from Ramstalk Radio. I'm Steve Ribeiro, as always, here with Johnny Gomez. Johnny, it's the final semester. We're wrapping up our 2019 Rams season grades. And then from here on out, we're full into 2020. Well, next week we'll be doing an all-decades team podcast. But for now, you ready for the end of the school year? Yeah, I think so. I think I think we're all kind of ready to move on from 2019. It wasn't... Uh... Wasn't the best year, but uh, of course there have been worse years. There's definitely been worse years. That is, and as we will get to on the All Decades podcast, there's definitely been worse years. Uh, most of that oh, team yeah. currently plays for the Rams, so that's fun. Uh, but of course, before we get into it, don't forget like, subscribe, review wherever you're getting your podcasts. Uh, don't forget to check out the other shows on the feed, Rams Talk Radio. Uh, haven't seen Rams Uncensored in a little bit, but I think they're still out there. Uh, so be on the lookout if you're looking for their show. And hey, 
if you want a chance to win a retro Rams throwback jersey just in time before the New Jerseys come out, maybe uh, maybe you'll even get a New Jersey if they're if they're out in time. Give us a five star review on Apple Podcasts. Take a screenshot, send it to us on Twitter, or send it to RamsTalk1945 at gmail.com with the name of who's reviewing. And if it's good, somebody will read it on the air. So there's that. All right, part four of the Rams report card butting head series. If you haven't tuned in in a while, part one, we talked about the rookies and second-year players. Part two, talked about guys like Aaron Donald, Andrew Whitworth, Michael Brockers, Brandon Cooks, Eric Weddle, uh, the recently retired Raven, Eric Weddle. Part three, Todd Gurley, Cooper Cup, Rob Havenstein, Dante Fowler, Corey Littleton. Today, we will be talking about all the guys we didn't talk about yet. Uh, Hey, by the way, Johnny, I don't know if you were on Twitter yesterday or the other day. This is not yesterday. But when Eric Riddle retired, I didn't see a ton of positivity from Rams fans. You know, I I did see some of it, and it's actually kind of borderline embarrassing. Just because he may have not been a Ram for very long, and uh, it, it was very obvious that he wasn't in his prime anymore. But come on, guys, you're better than that. He he was still a leader in the locker room, still very well respected, and it was just you know his time to retire. You know he had a solid year, all things considered. And, you know, maybe not Pro Bowl. Well, not maybe. It wasn't a Pro Bowl-like year for him. But not bad either. I, I don't – I really have no idea why people were complaining so much. Well, we we disagreed on the podcast when we talked about him. But I didn't think he was great here, like, at all. But he did get a lot of love from players on the Rams for his retirement. And I'm sure he cares more about that than what we have to say, especially because he was not here long. So I, I don't think he has any kind of like special relationship with Rams fans that I'm sure other players do. Uh, but I don't think he gives a shit about us, to be honest. <laughs> no. But anyways, let's talk about the, well, not not all these guys. Ah, actually. Almost all these guys we're talking about today are current players. Some of them are free agents, but I expect a, f- a few of them to be back. All right. Let's start with the one player we've kind of been pushing off for a while. That's our boy, Jared Goff. Jared Goff. <laughs> Obviously, it's a strange year for Jared Goff. He got a huge, fat contract extension in the offseason struggled a little bit picked it up towards the end of the year there are rumors that he was getting like <laughs> drunk too much uh which seems to me like a lot of bullshit but it was it was definitely a pretty amusing rumor uh even more amusing assuming it's not true but here are the numbers for jared goff 394 for 626 both career career highs 400 that 4,638 total passing yards not a career high 22 touchdowns the lowest he's thrown under Sean McVay again 16 interceptions the most he's thrown in his career uh 
I think I believe it's like fifth in interceptions. Fumbled ten times, lost five of them. Oddly enough, two less fumbles than last year. Uh, he was sacked twenty-two times, the lowest number in his career, and that includes the brief seven-game starts he had as a rookie. So keep that in mind because we blame the offensive line for a lot of his problems. And the stats don't tell the whole story, certainly. But he was sacked less in 16 games this year than he was in seven games as a rookie, which is honestly pretty remarkable. Um, 20th overall grade among quarterbacks on pro football focus. So a, a very strange year for Jared Goff because I will say it felt like he he picked it up towards the end of the year um in in his final five games his completion percentage was up he threw for 11 touchdowns against four interceptions uh was playing much better but even in those games he he missed he just he missed a couple throws and I think that was the story of the season for Goff not even not necessarily the turnovers even though that was definitely part of the story and cost us a couple games but he he missed a lot he missed more receivers noticeably I think than we've seen him miss since his rookie year and the guys he was missing were not as bad as the guys he was missing during his rookie year so I to me it feels more like you blame him than the guys that are out there catching passes because we know Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are very good there were other external factors. The line wasn't as good, despite what the stats say. The running game was essentially non-existent. Uh, we'll talk about this later when we get to Sean McVay, but the Rams went from the third most rushing yards per game in the league to the 26th most rushing yards per game in the NFL. Uh, so that's part of it, but it just it just didn't look right all year with Jared Goff uh, compared to what we've seen over the, his first three seasons. I, I'll even mention the rookie year. Came out bad. Year two, he improves immensely. He makes a Pro Bowl. Still room for improvement. Year three, we see that improvement. He, he looks great at times. Uh, the Vikings game, the Chiefs game, the NFC Championship last year, maybe the best quarterbacking I've seen from the Rams since Kurt Warner. I don't think that's a crazy thing to say. He, he looked great at times, and he was instrumental in getting to the Super Bowl. Now, in the Super Bowl, he didn't look good at all. We, we can all agree on that. And in front of a national spotlight, that kind of put a stink on Jared Goff that when we signed him to the extension, a lot of people not. Rams fans were clowning us for it, and us as Rams fans, we were <laughs> vehemently saying that it was the right move, and their words age better than ours. I know a lot of people are like, people have been calling this a learning year. People have been saying it's not disappointing. We've been grading players based on our expectations versus the output we got. From my expectations, I would have not expected what we got from Jared Goff this year. And yeah, he looked better in the last five games of the season, but 11 games preceded that. 11 games that had we done better in we probably would have been in the playoffs to me this was about as disappointing as you could have gotten from Goff I'm grading him a D not because he played at a D level he probably played at like a C plus level overall but what we were expecting 
from Jared Goff this year. It wasn't even close. And the money we paid him, it is not encouraging. You have to hope that this is just strictly a learning experience for him and that it's a flash in the pan and otherwise great career. Because if he looks like this for the rest of his career, that money is not going to age well. Yeah. <laughs> I, I completely long. agree. <laughs> I completely agree with a, a lot of what you said there. Uh, but, but one of the things I, I have to address is the comment about the rumor of him <laughs> playing drunk. And I'm thinking not playing you know, drunk, it, not playing drunk. People were saying people were saying he was playing hungover, I guess. It, it was an insane uh, rumor. I was like, damn, you know, if if he was playing drunk and he's doing this well, I, I mean, if anything, I, I'm flipping my expectations here. I mean, that's A plus in my opinion. I mean, I couldn't imagine going out there drunk and, you know, passing for over four four thousand six hundred yards. You know, that's that's insane. But uh okay, I, I get it now. Hungover eh, It's still, still that's it's still, still ridiculous. Yeah, that's still pretty impressive if if you're hungover yeah. and you're and you're doing that well. But all jokes aside, I I I really don't believe that for one second. I there's no way, honestly, Jared Goff can play this well. Uh, you know, with uh, hungover, drunk, whatever. But um, taking things a little seriously now. Okay, so as you mentioned massive massive contract and right now people are focusing on the dollar signs and within good reason because you know he's costing the team a big chunk of change and then to have like such a great season beforehand and then just totally you know go the opposite direction he I won't say he tanked because he certainly there are worse quarterbacks out there uh, a lot worse quarterbacks out out there, so I, I won't say he totally tanked. He he still had some good games, still had some pretty pretty good uh, plays out there. Uh, wasn't the Jared Goff in 2018 for sure, but I think that overall that Jared Goff was very disappointing still, uh, and. One of the reason being is because you kind of expected him to emerge as a leader, as as someone that can take over games because he's become this, uh, you know, he's become the leader of the team, or at least we hope he, he would become the leader of the team. And he really hasn't emerged as that leader. And certainly if things are getting rough, I don't think you can really expect – Goff to kind of take the Rams out of it, which is disappointing because we saw him do that uh, at least a little bit in 2018. So for me, seeing him take a few steps backwards, I, I can't say in good conscience that um, he uh, he exceeded expectations. Overall, for me, I'm going to say a C minus just because it it's not as dark and depressive as some of these people are are suggesting you know some people said that he had such a horrible season and yes it was disappointing and i'll definitely agree with you 
But am I going to sit there and say that he had a horrible season? Not necessarily. Just not the season we were all hoping for. And in my personal opinion, it's not completely his fault. Uh, I really do blame the offensive line for a lot of things. One of the reasons, one of the stats that Steve brought up was him being, you know, sacked very little. The and one of the reasons the is because he... which, which is yeah, <laughs> it's a it's a loaded stat. It doesn't tell the whole story, but it's still Not, insane. Oh. It's still insane that that's a real statistic. It, it it doesn't tell you anything because if you really watched, especially the last half of the season. Sean McVay essentially changed up the offense to a dink and dunk offense. So really the the opposing defenses didn't have enough time to sack Jared Goff. And while yes, there were moments where they could get to him, it it wasn't very many. He you didn't see Jared Goff taking shots down the field because he didn't do it very often. And I think that's where a lot of this disappointment comes in because the very little times he did throw it downfield, he didn't really complete it that often, which is another reason why Brandon Cooks, you know, had such a horrible season also. He wasn't designed for that type of offense. And so that's why I don't blame a lot of it on on Jared Goff, but I do blame uh, some of it, of of course, on on Goff. So, yeah, C-minus, I feel, is, is, is a fair grade. I think with the with the full picture though, and I don't know what you think, but with all we've seen, I think like him and Sean McVay each probably get about thirty percent of the blame. Then maybe like the line also gets thirty percent, and then Gurley and the running backs get maybe ten for the failures this year. And you know, fa- failures is. Because the offense wasn't a total failure. Uh, they were 7th in yards per game and 11th in points per game. Uh, but just compared to what we saw last year, uh, even though the numbers totally didn't dip a lot, e- efficiency-wise, they were not even close to what they were last year. And I, Goff is not the full problem, but he was certainly part of the problem to me. Oh, yeah, for sure. I, I could totally agree with that. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that he wasn't at fault at all because that that would be a lie and that's why expectations are so disappointing but um to sit here and give him the bulk of the blame i can't do that either no and i wouldn't either but I, maybe a third maybe a little less than a third here's the question we did confidence levels for the for the rookies we'll, we'll change this to one to ten one being least confident most ten being most confident how confident are you that for the duration of Jared Goff's contract, which I believe is four more years, he will be a top half quarterback. So a top, let's say top 15 quarterback. In a a score of one to 10, I would say seven. I'm fairly confident that he can at least be a top 15 quarterback. Uh, I, I think I'd lose a lot less confidence if we're talking top 10. But top 15, I think, is doable, uh, especially when given the right players around him. And I'm hoping this offseason the Rams will figure something out or at least gel together more so that uh, 
the the system around him is at least better so that he can feel a little more confident. But yeah, I, I, I would say for the duration of his contract, being a top 15 quarterback, I think is extremely doable. So I'll say seven. I'll say five and a half. Uh, unlike the NBA Ooh. dunk contest, we can give half scores here. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I'm not like, I'm not, I, I still believe in him. I still think he can be there. I hope he gets there, but I'd say confidence wise, I'm like 50, 50 on it, man. I will see. Um, but you know, if Sean McVay's system gets back to form, Jared Goff is likely to get back to form. Uh, but they both need to be better. Both him and McVay. And we'll get to McVay at the end of this podcast. But we got a couple players to get to before McVay. Let's go to one of Jared Goff's favorite options this season, Robert Woods. 90 receptions for 139 tar- 90 receptions on 139 targets, sorry. 1,134 receiving yards, two touchdowns in 15 games. He also had a rushing touchdown, so three total touchdowns. Uh, Woods, I'm going to pull up the stats real quick. I want to look at his game log, but from what I remember as a frustrated Woods fantasy owner, he really, like, ramped it up in the second half of the season. Uh, yeah, outside outside of one game there, he had in his last seven games, so this includes a bad game, 52 receptions, 663 yards, and two touchdowns. Um, not like really ramped it up, but he really, in, in his first six games, he had one game where he had 13 catches for 164 yards and well, no touchdowns. He didn't score until week 12. Uh, sorry, week 13. Sorry, week 14. This pro football reference page is confusing because he missed a game. <laughs> uh, but either way, I'm still going to give Woods an A-. minus. He was fairly reliable all year. Uh, he didn't re- fully live up to expectations, and that's why I'm going to knock it a little bit. But 90 catches, over 1,100 yards. Can't complain much. Uh, yeah, Robert Woods is great. He's on a great contract. I hope he plays well for the remainder of it, and I have pretty, I'm pretty confident he will. Yeah, as far as Robert Woods is concerned, I, I don't think there's really much to complain about at all. Uh, me, I'm just going to give him an A because he basically did what we all were hoping he would do and have a hell of a season, breaking 1,000 yards, is something you hope for any receiver to do and to have him on the roster along with uh, two other very talented wide receivers to break uh, 1,000 yards uh, along with Cooper Cup. Uh, that's that's impressive. And seeing him like do so well so consistently year after year, I, I, remember, I remember when the Rams first signed Robert Woods, I was not a huge fan of the contract. I thought they overpaid for him. And uh, I'll I'll eat my Sheriff Crow here because uh, he's turned out to be one of the better receivers on the Rams and one of the better receivers in the league, really. Um, So personally, I, I think there's not much to complain about here. Was it a super stellar year? Maybe not. Uh, I, I, and I think that may be the reason why he doesn't get an A plus, but you know, <laughs> having a thousand yard year is nothing to, uh, complain about at all. 
and uh, I think he's going to continue to be one of Goff's top targets no matter what offense they run, and that's that's good to know. That's good to know that uh, as long as Wood stays healthy, this is going to be a, a competent receiver to have on the roster. Agreed, and hey, I- I'm with you on, on the contract. I I wrote basically a long piece for Rams Talk uh, the offseason we signed him about how bad our receivers were and how like mediocre they were for years and then I ended it with showing Robert Woods' stat line for his career where he had like 600 yards every season and I was like welcome home Robert you'll fit in just fine and he blew me out of the water and I'm happy to eat crow on it I loved him at USC uh he's been great the Rams had more thousand yard receivers this season than they did between 2008 and 2017 so it was some dark days at the position, and the last two seasons we've had 2,000-yard receivers in each season. And if Cooper Cup didn't get hurt last year, we might have had three. Uh, so all, all is shining there. Johnny, I'm going to let you grade this player first, but I'll throw out the stats for him. Jalen Ramsey, midseason acquisition, traded two first-round picks to get him. Uh Cornerback stats can be weird. Uh, he allowed 43 catches for 64 on 64 targets on the season, 71.5 PFF grade, but keep in mind he played three games with Jacksonville. His hard stats with the Rams, had an interception, forced a fumble, defended four passes, uh, had 33 tackles in nine games with the team. I'll let you start on him. So uh, as far as him in Jacksonville, I'm not going to really look focus too much about his play there no but, agreed, um, but the, i uh i don't know how to separate those catches and targets so i just wanted to throw out that jacksonville's in there somewhere yeah but uh as far as ramsey's concerned i think i think we can all agree that it wasn't as dominant i'll say um his presence wasn't as dominant as say Marcus Peters, who went off to Baltimore and just had a stellar year there. Of course, that's uh, you know that team was jacked up on defense, and not that the Rams weren't, but clearly uh, it wasn't as impressive as a debut as Marcus Peters going to Baltimore. That being said, one thing I will say is that when he was with the Rams the defense did a lot better. And I'm not saying it's because of him. I'm not saying he's the only reason, but I'm saying that, you know, the Rams did have Marcus Peters and well, uh, sort of a keep to leave um, for, for part of the year. And I would definitely argue that, you know, the addition of Jalen Ramsey improved the secondary tremendously. And while the stats aren't overwhelming or anything, I feel like he did improve the defense a bit, um, just maybe not to up to our expectations with the guy that we just traded the farm for. So in that, keeping that in mind and, you know, not fanboying over uh, a Pro Bowl's cornerback, you know, I'll say to give him a solid B, just because the stats don't tell the whole story, but I can I think we can all agree that the defense did improve 
in the second half of the season as opposed to the first half. Um, if you don't look at the games like uh, Baltimore and uh, the Cowboys. But um, overall, I, I have to say I, I was really impressed with Jalen Ramsey. And I think once he has a solid offseason with the defense and works and gels with them even more, this is going to be a better uh, Ramsey. But 2019 Ramsey with the Rams, <laughs> Ramsey with the Rams, uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll say a B. <laughs> Ramsey, he he made sure to take full advantage of that when he got here, I remember. Uh, you said they got better since he arrived, and I think they did. But, like, I mean, for a while they did. But you look at that last stretch of games, Dallas was a brutal showing. Baltimore, obviously, but hey, it's Baltimore. They were virtually unstoppable for a while. Uh, and then San Fran. So, I mean, they really only had one total stinker early on, and that was Tampa Bay. Seattle wasn't great, but that was just a hard – I don't know. I, that game didn't really bother me that much. I'm going to give him a, a C-plus just because you trade two first-rounders for a guy you expect to be a little better, and he was good, and he helped the defense for sure, but – um wasn't wasn't super impressed, and I expected a little more. That being said, I agree with most things you said. Hopefully, with Brandon Staley coming in, he kind of builds this defense around Ramsey's strengths uh, as well as Aaron Donald's. But his strengths, Aaron Donald's strengths, are basically being on the football field. Uh, so, I mean, my like long term, if we lock him up, my my confidence grade is higher higher than a C plus. But for this year, I'm going to give a C plus and. I don't think this is a ton to say on it, honestly. Uh, he wasn't bad, but he was good. I mean, yeah, like I'm saying he wasn't bad. He was good. He was legitimately good. Just when you trade for a guy of that caliber, I think we all expected a little more. And hopefully, and I'm confident about it, we'll get that next year. Uh, let's take a quick break, and then we'll talk about Austin Blythe. You can't control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% .9 of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand a chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. All right, Austin Blythe. He's another player that's, that's weird to look at uh, because on Pro Football Focus, he's literally the, the lowest graded center, but he's not listed under guards, and I think it factors in both his guard play and his center play. But look, man, <laughs> he played both, and we had to grade him on both. He, he allowed two sacks this year. Uh, had three penalties. When he moved to center, honestly, I feel like the offensive line turned. And, and we mentioned it a ton uh, when we talked about other guys that were involved in the new offensive line. Austin Corbett, Bobby Evans, uh, David Edwards to an extent. But 
he did play guard for a while, and he was really fucking bad at guard this year. Uh, I think he was very good, as far, as good as you could expect when he played center. He really uh, kind of exceeded my expectations there, especially with what we watched early in the year. But he was a pretty decent player last year, and him and Rob Havenstein on the right side of the line were really bad. Like all the whole time they were out there together. So he's tough to grade because center, like first tenure at center, I think I'd give him an A minus. First tenure at guard, I think I'd give him an F. So I guess on the year, I'll give him a C. Feel like that sounds fair. Uh, I do hope we bring him back and he's our starting center next year because he did play well at the position, but uh, he's really disappointing at guard and you have to grade the whole picture here. So C for me. What about you? So Austin Blythe is really interesting because, as you mentioned, last year he did pretty okay at, at guard. Um, actually, maybe a little bit better than okay. He, I think he did okay uh, well. Above average, I'd uh, say. Yeah, above average at, at, at guard. And then for whatever reason, he regressed kind of like Havenstein did. I don't know why. Um, I wish I did. But um, the interesting thing is I feel like the first couple of games he did okay at guard and then he got injured. I don't know if you remember. He he did actually get injured and then he came back and he forgot how to play guard. I, I have no idea. And then all of a sudden Brian Allen gets injured. And we shift him over, and it's like the best thing that could ever possibly happen to him and the offensive line. Personally, I think the Rams should resign him to be our center. Uh, please, please resign him. But, um, yeah, I, I actually think he did really well as a center and hope that they continue to have him there. So on the season, if you combine them both, I think I'm kind of with you on the grade. Uh, I think I'll give it a little bit better because I think he exceeded my expectations uh, with him playing center. Like if you were to ask me at the beginning of the year, if Austin Blythe plays center, how is your confidence level there? I don't think I have a huge expectation for him at center, but it turns out that he played the position better than he did at guard. Uh, even looking back to it at in 2018, I think I would have preferred him to be at center than at guard. But then again, we don't necessarily have him. And uh, anyway, going <laughs> off topic there, uh, Austin Blythe. I, I'll, I'll give him a C plus. Uh, I think he really exceeded my expectations um, at center. So I think C plus is a justified grade. No argument for me. And I, I hopefully they do bring him back. There's guys on the team that I feel like we are like delusional with how much money they'll get, thinking like low money, but I I, I don't I can't imagine him getting a huge payday from somebody. Uh, I didn't have the pedigree that like Roger Saffold had. So hopefully he's back at center. Uh, these next couple guys I feel like we'll fly through, but we spent a pretty good chunk of time on the other the earlier guys. John Johnson, obviously a guy injured after week six, missed the remainder of the season. He had 51 total tackles, two interceptions, two passes defended in the six games he did play. He allowed 12 catches on 17 targets, but 
that stat's different for a safety than a quarterback. I'll give him a B. I think it was good. Not great. I expected great, but I'm not going to knock him for being good. Uh, I'm excited to have him back next year. I think him and Taylor Rapp will be a really fun safety duo. Uh, love John Johnson. I think he's been an underrated player his whole career, and not just not a ton of grade here. I give him a B. Uh, really excited to have him back. Hopefully he earns a payday. Hopefully the payday comes from us, but I like the guy enough to say I hope he just gets a big contract when when he's up for it, wherever it is. So for me, I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to say incomplete. And Fair. the reason being is because he didn't play much. Uh, you know, unfortunately, he he sustained an injury. I think it was a shoulder injury um, for the early part of the season. And it's and it sucked because you could tell that the, the defense wasn't the same after he left. And I, I think the Rams could have truly benefited for him um, on the on the same field. And. I'm actually really excited now that I think about it to see John Johnson uh, on the same field with uh, you know the likes of uh, Jalen Ramsey. I think that should be an interesting secondary. So I think as long as he's healthy, we're going to have a really, really talented secondary. But um, yeah, I, I don't know if I can really justify uh, giving him a grade uh, just because I feel like he he did have some good plays here and there, and um, I just think he it, it's not worth grading at the moment because there just wasn't enough there. So I'm going to cheat and say incomplete. Not about me. Uh, I don't think we really need to spend more time on Johnny Johnson here. Speaking of a guy we don't need to spend a lot of time on, uh, great transition. Josh Reynolds, uh, our former enemy turned friend. 21 catches for 326 yards and a touchdown on 43 targets. Played in over 40% of snaps in six games this season. So, I mean, he wasn't out there a ton, but you look at the, I believe these were the the three games uh, that we didn't have Brandon Cooks. Uh, He had nine catches for 177 yards and a touchdown on 19 targets. Not bad for for, uh, a three-game stretch. Uh, those were his highest snap count totals of the year. Then there were some other games where he did play a decent amount. Uh, Seattle, he played 66% of the snaps. Didn't catch a pass, but that was the weird game where he ran the ball three times, had 29 yards. Uh, I mean, I gave him a B. I didn't expect much. And there were some games where he didn't do much, but overall, I thought it was fine. Uh, solid B for me. As far as Josh Reynolds is concerned, it, it's really hard for him to – stick out when you have three very talented receivers on your roster. And honestly, I feel like Josh Reynolds would really benefit on another team, which is why I think, you know, next year when his contract's up, I I think uh, Josh Reynolds going to bolt out of here uh, because I don't think that, uh, that he's going to see a whole lot of playing time next, uh, this upcoming year. So for him, you know, I will say that when Brendan Cooks was out, he did step up at times. There was uh, uh, that one game where he just kind of dropped passes. Yeah. But um, overall, I would say for the most part, he did take advantage of of this time out there. 
but because he wasn't perfect, I can't give him like an A or an A plus. So I think I think a solid B minus is warranted here, just because I feel like he he is one of the I I'll say one of the good blessings that the Rams have on the roster. Going biblical on you guys here. <laughs> He, he he was good depth, and I mean, from what we asked of him, you 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 can't really complain too much about what we got. Um, he was fine. Uh, what do we got next? Yeah, I don't I don't want to Josh Reynolds, and I will say if if we do find a way to move Brandon Cooks before the season, which I I, I honestly doubt, and they don't replace him, I'm all right with Josh Reynolds being our third receiver. It's fine. We we can't oh, have absolutely. yeah we can't have studs at every position, so if if it comes to that that's fine. Johnny Hecker, our beloved punter, uh, who we have on a contract for like four more years, sixty nine point four PFF grade, the lowest of his career. Thirty one of his sixty six punts were pinned inside the twenty. Uh, I don't know how to break down punter stats to be honest with you guys. So this is pretty much all in the eye test. Based on what we expect from Johnny Hecker, I mean, look, you expect him to be one of, if not the best punters in the league. And I think he was close, but I gave him a, a B minus because special teams overall this year just felt sloppy, man. It was weird. It was a really uncharacteristic year for the special teams. And he's the captain. Starts with him. Uh, look, am I confident that he'll be a good punter for the remainder of his time here? Absolutely. But expectation versus what we got, he's a B minus for me. And I fully expect him to be in the A's next year. I, I will always have faith in this guy. So I'm slightly more disappointed than you just because when I see Johnny Hecker as a punter, I see him as the Superman of all punters. Like, I, I truly believe that Johnny Hecker is the best punter in the league, although last year he didn't really bring it. And... I don't really know what happened. Uh, the special teams as a whole, as you mentioned, wasn't as effective as it has been in the past. And I, I'm not really sure what happened here because, you know, I think um, it was a lot of a lot of his uh, struggles came in the first half of the season. He kind of did uh, a lot better in the second half. And that being said, I I. I can't help but give the guy a C just because I expect more out of him. I, I really expect this guy to be the best punter in the league and, you know, continue to have these amazing stats. And while they're still really good, I'm not saying he had a horrible season or anything, but compared to last year, I, I don't think there's any, any contest there. I think, you know, compared to last year, Johnny Hecker did a little bit worse. So um, I expect Johnny Hecker every year to be the best punter. And he wasn't the best punter um, this past year. So see it is for me. Not I'm not going to say the guy had a bad season. So he had an average season for me, which is still pretty freaking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> as far as average goes, uh, this was a, a very fine average season. Uh, and look, John Fossil is not the coach anymore. Uh, whether it was 
a mutual decision or his decision or the Rams decision that he's not here anymore. It happened. And I think it says a lot about the special teams unit last year because they've been so good for so long. Uh, and now fossils out and we'll, we'll see if Greg Zerline's back. Uh, Johnny Hecker will be back. So excited about that. Malcolm Brown, the touchdown vulture. 69 carries for 255 yards and five touchdowns. He played in all 16 games. Uh, this stat doesn't really mean anything for his grade, but it really made me laugh. He had two catches for 16 yards. <laughs> he played all 16 games. Uh, look, it's an A minus for me. I think he did everything he was asked of. He was really good at the goal line. I hate to say it considering how much fantasy shares I had of Todd Gurley this year, but he was very good at the goal line. There were drives in a few games where he kind of brought the team to life when he stepped on the field. His playing time dwindled as the season went on. Uh, I'm going to pull up his, his game by games, but I would guess his his number carries significantly decreased in the second half of the year. Um, there are two Malcolm Browns in the league, and it's infuriating. But yeah, Johnny, what do you think? I got I got an A minus for Malcolm Brown. Um, I could see the Rams trying to trade him, just because you know we have Daryl Henderson. If they're going to keep Todd Gurley, they don't necessarily need Malcolm Brown. Maybe they can get a a late round pick. Uh, I mean, if you could get a fifth round pick for Malcolm Brown, as silly as it sounds, saying trade a good rotation player for a fifth round pick. If you're confident in Daryl Henderson and if Todd Gurley's on the team, you don't need this guy. Uh, but as far as 2019 is concerned, I, I was happy with his play. Uh, not perfect, but for what I, I, I he met my expectations is, is what I'll say. So I think the more amusing stat for Malcolm Brown isn't the two catches for 16 yards; it's the 69 carries. But that's just me. <laughs> nice. So. I, you know, I saw that, and yeah, maybe that says a lot more than it should about me. But uh, <laughs> as far as Malcolm Brown is concerned, he – I don't know if I can give him as high of a grade as you did. Not to say that I wasn't impressed with what uh, with his production because, let's face it, a lot of the lack of production is not his fault. That's more of Sean McVay's fault, and we'll probably get to touch that on that later, but – as far as Malcolm Brown is concerned, I, you know, I feel like there was more he could have done. Um, he did get injured for a little bit, so that's something to note as well. But I don't know, maybe just because I expected a little more out of Malcolm Brown heading into the season. Uh, I guess that's to say that I expected more from the running game in general. But for me, I'm, I'm going to say a solid B. Uh, just because I expected more production out of him. Uh, and again, I think this is maybe my testament to Sean McVay more to, than it is to Malcolm Brown. But uh, personally, I, I feel like he could have done better. Um, I, I might be a little harsh now that I think about it, but I'm going to stick with it. B. Dude, I got tons of Bs in my academic career, and I never complain about one of them. Well, there you go. <laughs> Not not harsh. Uh, Clay Matthews, who may be back next year. He's under contract, but he's certainly a cap casualty candidate. 
I broke it down into the first half and the latter half. He obviously got hurt for a couple games. Um, yeah, a couple games. He had seven sacks in his first six games and 22 tackles in his first six games. The final seven, he had 15 tackles and one sack. So he was kind of cleaning up at the beginning of the year. Was not cleaning up anything at the in the latter half of the year. He had two forced fumbles in the season. Um, but you look at both halves, and obviously your second half grade would be lower. I'm still getting him a B uh, just because I didn't have high expectations for Clay Matthews. Uh, I thought he could produce in a limited role, and he played a little more than I expected. And, dude, he was killing it in the, the, the first half of the year. Uh, the numbers, look, for any player pretty much, the numbers don't tell the entire story. They certainly don't with Clay Matthews. A lot of those were just him cleaning up somebody else's mess and fin- you know he was a cherry on top of the the chef's cake or whatever that analogy didn't really make sense <laughs> um but look man he played well i thought he was washing green bay last year proved he saw something in the tank if he's back next year i'll be happy to have him if he's not here uh it's whatever i enjoyed having him this year i'll give him a b you know if i ever get an opportunity to interview clay matthews I'd be like, how would you like to be compared to the cherry on top of a chef's cake? Not even a baker, a chef. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I <laughs> I would love to, you know, because Clay Matthews is, is definitely one of the funnier guys on the team. So I, I would love to hear his response on that. Um, I promise, Steve, if I ever get that opportunity, uh, I, will, uh, I will definitely mention that to him. But... Um, as far as my expectations of Clay Matthews, personally, I had zero expectations for Matthews coming into the season. I kind of semi-expected him to be a guy that would be situational. And yeah, there were moments where he was situational, but um, he was on the field a lot more than I thought he would be. I seriously thought that he was going to play behind people you know, not necessarily start. And he actually had somewhat of a revitalization to his career. Um, now, I'm not going to nowhere say he was um, like his prime. I think that would be going way too far. But all things considered, I did not expect this type of production from Clay Matthews. And even if you factor in that he didn't have nearly as impressive of a season towards the end, I still think it was still a lot more than I was expecting. So for me, I'm going to give it an A- minus, just because I had zero expectations for the guy. So that might be just for me kind of thing, but um, I think overall, either way you spin it, we're, we're all kind of genuinely impressed on the production he brought to the team so late in his career. And hey, before he got hurt, he was on pace for almost 20 sacks. Probably wouldn't have gotten there, but just a stat. Uh, yeah, and and I think if you go back and listen to our old stuff, we definitely didn't have super high expectations for Clay when we signed him. But he killed it. That Those first couple games were awesome. Uh, I don't want to talk about this player, but he's on my list. Morgan Fox. <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Fox. Yeah. Uh, Johnny... <laughs> I'm giving I'm 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 giving Morgan Fox an A plus and here's why. Honestly, I forgot he was on the team 
And when I looked at the look at his stats and saw he had two sacks, he had two sacks. When did that happen? When did those sacks occur? Uh, a plus because like, if we're comparing expectations, I would have expected zero snaps for Morgan Fox. Well, that's not true. I would have expected no stats for Morgan Fox. Quote of the podcast: I really didn't want to talk about this guy. I just don't. I I don't have any Morgan Fox takes. Look, guys, I'm always honest with you. Uh, I can't give real takes about all 53 players in the roster. I think I could confidently do it for like 45 of them, but uh, Fox is in the eight that I can't. So Morgan Fox, I I will agree with you though, Steve. I didn't have a whole lot of expectations about Morgan Fox, and to tell you the truth, I I felt like. Morgan Fox was kind of one of those guys that I'm not sure if he's the right player to have in terms of depth, but he always does kind of things to keep him on board. You know, always has a decent preseason, um, you know, decent training camp. And this time around, he actually played, you know, some meaningful snaps in the uh, regular season. So, uh, overall, he proved that he was, you know, at least worthy of being good depth. So for me, yeah, I'm kind of with you, Steve. I'll probably give him like a B plus, just because his expectations for him were extremely low. But uh, yeah, Morgan Fox. Morgan Fox. Uh, all right, the final grade to hand out. Sean McVay. Saved it for the end of the pod. Hopefully, we kept you here long enough for it. Uh, I mentioned I mentioned the total offensive stats. I'll mention them again. Just averages in terms of league ranking. Seventh in yards per game. Fourth in passing yards per game. 26 in rushing yards per game. And 11th in points per game. Compared to last year, second in yards per game. Fifth in passing yards. So they're up in pass. Fourth, or sorry, third in rushing. And second in points. So kind of down across the board. Uh, they had a 9-7 and seven record. This was Sean McVay's third year with the team, third year as a head coach. He's obviously really young. Uh, and I I think we'd all agree that we're cautiously, I mean, at least I'm moving forward, I'm cautiously optimistic that he will fix whatever happened this year. Um, I'm more on the optimistic side than I am on the cautious side. But you have to throw it out there because since the Super Bowl, even though the offense is producing a bit, like it seems like teams kind of figured it out. And to his credit, and we had to give him credit too, uh, as much as we've been knocking him, he did fix that with the Bears game this year where he completely changed the offense that he was running up to that point. It was when Josh Reynolds played like 80% of the snaps and Cooper Cup was barely on the field. They were running that weird formation with the two tight ends. Um, and he did... And I'll give Jared Goff some credit for this, but I think I'd give Sean McVay more. He did fix the offense to an extent during the last couple games of the season, Dallas aside. Uh, He made an effort to get Tyler Higbee more involved. Uh, He made an effort, for the most part, to get the running game back into the mix. And a lot of that succeeded. But at the same time, like I said with Goff, we went 11 games without doing any of that. And it was really a really, really frustrating first half of the season, even though we were like five and three going into the the bye week, I believe that Pittsburgh game 
Like, we lost it because of Goff. We lost because of McVay. And we lost because of the line. And I think McVay, both of those things factor into McVay and his game plan a little bit. But at the same time, man, we went 9-7 and seven this year. Uh, this is a really frustrating winning season, which is great to say as a Rams fan. That won't go into his grade. But to me, at, after Pittsburgh and after Baltimore, uh, it did not feel like this season was going to end in a winning season. And I have to give McRae a little credit for that. But also, like, this was an immensely frustrating season. A lot of players underperformed, and I think that's partly on Sean McVay. It's also partly on the players. You're the boss. If you're if the people under you don't perform, it still comes back up to you. You could fire them, sure, but ultimately you're a hey honcho. But I'm still I and I feel like this feels a little high, but Johnny, I'm still gonna give him a C plus. Uh, I I don't want to go lower than that. I think it's impressive that given all the negativity around this team, given all the things that didn't go right, they finished with a winning record. You brought up some really fair points. And one thing I will say is the immediate consequence of success is expectations. And one of the things that... If you if you look at any winning team and seeing, you know, like for example, a good example is the Patriots. The Patriots didn't have a bad season. You know, they made the playoffs, but a lot of people were clowning on them because they didn't go far in the playoffs. That's incredible. You know, that's that's the kind of expectation that is a consequence from success. Sean McVay has built a winning football team under, you know, his short reign here. And a lot of it is how quickly he did it, especially from the years of Fisherball. So it's it's not it's not unheard of to expect so much out of Sean McVay. With all that said, yes, he did finish nine and seven, which is not bad. You know, that's that's actually a decent season. It just it sucks that the Rams happen to be in the best division in football. You know that that sucks. Yeah, and if but, they played in the AFC, they probably do make the playoffs. Honestly, uh, nine and seven might have gotten them in, and their division wouldn't have been as tough. Oh no, no doubt about it. And that, that's something to note. However, considering that the Rams made the Super Bowl the previous year and the expectation of the team in 2019, I can't help but give him a D. And the reason being is because we expect McVay to at least make the playoffs and the fact that he didn't and the struggles along the way made it just such a long season. And uh, it, it almost seemed for not just because they didn't make the playoffs. So it might be a little on the harsh side. And this is by no means saying that Sean McVay is a terrible coach. I will never say that. In fact, he's the best coach that the Rams have had in a long time. 
probably ever since um, Mike Martz, going that far back. Uh, I, I can already hear like arguments on that. But uh, so I, t- I, won't, I, t- I, won't I think you could safely say Dick Vermeil. Uh, I, I I think you could you could argue he's a better head coach than Mike Martz, coordinator, maybe not, but I, I'd say he's a better head coach. Yeah, for sure. And that being said, yeah, um, I I just want people to be very clear. I'm not saying that uh, Sean McVay is a terrible coach. Not by any means. In fact, there would be a lot of teams out there that would die to have Sean McVay. Uh, you know, expect him to be a hot commodity for many years to come. Thank God that we got the uh, contract extension. But I'm hoping for better, better seasons in the future. Hopefully, starting in 2020. I I like Sean McVay enough that if the Rams went three and thirteen next year. Uh, knock on wood, that doesn't happen. Uh, I would still want him back as a head coach. Um, Absolutely, that's how much. That's how much I like him, and he's so young. Uh, he's got a lot to learn. He took some lumps this year, and I think there were moments where it showed he learned from it. But at the same time, man, that Dallas game, that Baltimore game, those were re- incredibly embarrassing losses, and especially Dallas uh, because we had the season on the line. Really, and they had absolutely nothing to play for. Uh, they not absolutely nothing, but if they they their Super Bowl basically was that Eagles game, and they came out and lost. But the week before, they shelled us, and they the yeah the Rams scored fourteen points in the fourth quarter. The defense played bad, but the offense played just as bad early on in that game, and that McVay deserves some blame for that. Um. He was one of five on challenges this year. There's a meaningless stat for you. Uh, but, but I don't know. I, I, I think we're both kind of on the same page here, even though my grade was higher. This was disappointing, but I'm a lot more confident than I am in, say, Goff, which even I'm a little confident with him that McVay will turn this around and this will be a thing. Or this will be a flash. And even if it's a flash, uh, you look at, like, you look at Greg Popovich, man, he's made the, I don't think he's going to make it this year, but the Spurs made the playoffs 20 straight years. Yeah, some years they, they lost in the first round pretty easily, but uh, if Sean McVay turns it around after this year, he will still have a winning season every year, and getting that winning season was a big deal, and I'm glad he got the guys to play for it. Uh, he got the guys to play for a lot this year, which is why the Dallas game was really shocking how they just didn't show up and. They didn't show up against Baltimore either, but we all know Dallas isn't Baltimore. Not even close. No, that that was the ultimate embarrassment. You know, getting embarrassed by the Ravens is one thing, but getting absolutely torched by the Cowboys is uh, far another thing. So, yeah, hopefully no more games like that. Uh, I think we were the only – well, not Philly, but – uh. Outside of Philly in week, when they played Philly, seven, we were the only team that they beat with a winning record this year. Ouch. Like, <laughs> but that's it. Yeah, you got to hope for next year. Um, all right, Johnny, we got to get our all-decade teams ready for next week's podcast. 
depending on how long that goes, might be a two-parter, but we'll see. We'll see how we do. Uh, if, if you guys want to submit your all-decade teams, feel free. Hit us up on Twitter, at Zero at Ramsalk, at Johnny596. Johnny, you got any you got any parting thoughts here? You know, I, I'm just going to say this right now. Um, I, I'm going to cringe at myself a little bit because I, I was really excited to tell Steve – we should do an all decades team, and I and I wholeheartedly regret that. Uh, and you'll you'll see why once we do this. So I, I committed um, to writing about it, so I will have an article pairing with the podcast. Uh, but dude, it gets tough. It gets very tough. Yeah, it's not easy, guys. It really isn't. Here's a thought experiment for you guys if you're still listening. Think about what two guards you'd put on an all-decade team. Just think about it because I bet you can only think of one because I had to look through the entire decade to find a second guard. (laughs) It is brutal, man. Guard, center, uh, tackle to an extent, but not really, and then um, even tight end. Uh, It's slim pickings. Well, you know, there is that uh, that one guy from... Uh, oh, Lance Kendricks, the guy that played for the Packers, right? No, I was thinking about the guy that was on the Saints last year. You're, you're automatically disqualified from my all-decade team if you, <laughs> if you shoved your quarterback on the sidelines during a game. <laughs> but he's your boy. I don't care how many mental gymnastics I have to do to put Tyler Higby or Lance Kendricks on my team over Jared Cook. I will do them. Uh, I will be an Olympic <laughs> gymnast in my own head. I, I kind of want to see you as an Olympic gymnast, Steve. Uh, just the thought is kind of amusing. <laughs> All right. Uh, we will be back next week, guys. Uh, don't forget, if you want to send us anything, you hit us up on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, wherever you want. Uh, For Johnny, this is Steve. We'll talk to you soon. Tell Sean Payton, keep talking that We're going to see him soon. You feel me? control what's outside your home, but you can control what comes in. Because Clorox disinfecting wipes kill 99.9% of viruses and bacteria, including COVID-19 virus, when used as directed on hard, non-porous surfaces. So whether it's from dirty doorknobs, dirty shoes, or something else, outside germs won't stand the chance. When it counts, trust Clorox. Kill Pseudomonas, Salmonella, and Influenza virus type A2. Kill SARS-CoV-2 on hard, non-porous surfaces. Use as directed. The NBA is back. Where else can a city this loud be this slept on? And 30 feet is still in range. Where else is history? Still in the making. The NBA, only here. Season begins December 22nd on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.